Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we talk about Mormon polygamy on our show, both early Mormon and present-day polygamy, and also about the founder of Mormon polygamy, Joseph Smith. But before we get started, I would just like to give a reminder for everyone who would like more information about the truth of polygamy in the Bible, or if you need help escaping from polygamy, you can contact a Shield and Refuge Ministry by telephone or by email. Uh, the contact information is on the screen, and you can call our toll-free number 877-425-9993 or email us. Um, and of course, everything that we talk about will be held in complete confidence. If you want to make any comments about our show, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, you can email us at email, what love is this? Email at whatloveisthis.tv, or you can call us at 385-240-2888. Our guest for today's show has um, a very special place in my heart. We've been friends for many years. And she has authored a book she's been working on for a long, long time. And it's just come off the printing press. Her book is entitled Secret Combinations, Evidence of Early Mormon Counterfeiting, 1800 to 1847. She holds a master's degree in philosophy from Stanford University and also a degree in nursing from BYU. She's published three previous books and researched this new book for over eight years, I think close to ten years, traveling across the United States, digging into state archives and court records and libraries. And she graciously agreed to come on our show and discuss this new book. And we'll be doing this in a two-part interview, so I would like to introduce and because she has been on our show in the past, I'd like to welcome back our special guest, Kathleen Kimball Melanakis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here. It's good to be here. We with talk my friend Doris. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked a lot through the years about your book. And first of all, it was a paper. And we talked about that, I think, the first time you were mm -hmm. on the show. Yes. And now that You've paper, given me a lot of encouragement over the years. <laughs> a lot it of people have. Lot of, you've done a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And now you've got a two-inch thick book. That, yeah. from this, that paper and it's it's awesome it's a great book it's just this week has mm -hmm. been come this off week, the press yep. I notice your middle name is Kimball yes. so does that mean you've got a pioneer polygamist heritage from <laughs> Heber C. Kimball well it actually does yes my father was Heber C. Kimball IV and he was directly descended from the Heber C. Kimball that was one of the co-founders of the Mormon church mm -hmm. but his week in the family was the wing that continued to practice polygamy after it was banned in 1890 mm. and they considered that you know his family considered that they should adhere to the original teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young so they kept practicing it and and I saw a lot of trouble and suffering and and mm. just uh, the you know the there's there's real horrors in polygamy. It is I mean, very it, much so. It just it is not a good system, and it I so that system. was what started me going. 
storage on your on this uh, does there seem to be a lot of pride in your family heritage of, of both your name and also that polygamy is in your past is there much well of that? i i i haven't been in touch with a lot of my relatives since my father died in 1971 mm -hmm. um, my mother <laughs> kind of moved away from that part of the family but i've always had, had them in my heart. I've always, you know, I grew up with my cousins that I dearly loved, and mm -hmm. and I I have a lot of family that's in the mainstream Mormon church also. Um, someone someone introduced me as Mormon royalty, but I don't claim that title. Well, <laughs> you don't claim it, but no. so others others would with I that really name. Don't. You definitely, they especially would. what yeah. I found out. Yeah, um, that's for sure. I've, yeah, and and that's who's, and that's what we're going to discuss tonight or today is is what you found out in preparing and making preparations for the book. Yeah. At the very beginning of your book, you have a quote from Socrates that says, "Follow where the evidence leads." Exactly, and, and that's kind of what the idea your foundation for your book. You found something, and you kept looking, and found more and more and more, and pretty soon you got a book. Is that well, yeah, I I wanted to know about polygamy first. First of all, that was what really piqued my curiosity is, is this from God? And so I, I firmly believe in investigating important questions that your life is built on. Don't leave it to chance. Don't accept somebody else. Investigate it. And I, I went to the university. I was trained in philosophy. I, I learned about how to evaluate truth claims. And, you know, our whole lives are built on you know, is something true or not? Right. It, uh, it it matters in everyday matters. Truth matters, you bet. And um, of course, it matters most of all in our what happens to us eternally and our whole purpose for being here. Exactly. So, so uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, that's one of my core beliefs. If I'm curious some, about something or if I need to know something, I investigate it. Mm -hmm. And and it and out. yes, you you can. You can find out from reputable sources. You can, you can, uh, you know, test it out in your life, and that's what you, that you, that's what you should do. In fact, Jesus told us to do that, especially about mm -hmm, prophets. Mm -hmm. He said, "Test people that claim to be prophets." Yes, and so over you tested Joseph scriptures. Smith and found out some interesting things about him. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> and about my illustrious grandfather. <laughs> You mentioned that right. you were trained in critical thinking, mm -hmm. which in schools, uh, universities, is, uh, you have to know critical thinking. But yeah. I've discovered in both in polygamy groups and some very mainstream faithful Mormons, mm -hmm. they don't do critical thinking when it comes to their religion. No, they. It's it's awfully easy to take something on authority, or you know, someone that you believe is an authority. Or just to see how you feel about it, but that is not the best way to know if something's true. Exactly, feelings do not tell you if it's truth, and it and it never says in the scriptures that you will feel right. the Holy Spirit either. The, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, but it's not a feeling. You can fall in love with many different, I you know, belief systems. You can fall in love with Marxism. You can fall in love mm -hmm. with Buddhism. You can fall in love with with Islam, but that doesn't make them true. That's right. You must check it out. Check. You must investigate. You must test. And and the Bible, mm -hmm. I found. Us to do that. Yeah, I found after many years of searching, 
that it does stand up mm -hmm. to stands up investigated to tests, you know, mm -hmm. of history, of of archaeology, of uh, other sources in that time. I mm -hmm. we, we recently got back from Israel. We saw the places where Jesus walked. We saw how he changed the world yeah. like no other human being ever, mm -hmm. no other Right, exactly. Person, so so uh, let's get on page uh, 13. I want to quote something okay. that you wrote from page 13. Mm -hmm. You said, others have told the story of Smith's heroism in pioneering the West, mm -hmm. missionary triumphs, political difficulties, and polygamy. I tell the story of Mormon origins in secret, oath-bound, counterfeiting networks. I tell how secret counterfeiting affected what happened to the Mormon people and helped lead to Joseph and Hiram's assassinations in the Carthage jail. So you're telling what, uh, you're not doing what anybody else have done. You're doing your own story, and that is uh, the counterfeiting that the Smith family was involved in. Is this the first work that's been published on the Smiths counterfeiting, the early Mormon counterfeiting? Yes, it is. Uh, it's the only one so far that's just really focused on that aspect of it. And, you know, I, as I said, I started looking into polygamy, and, and these references to counterfeiting kept cropping up when I was reading all the documents. And I wondered, is this just a side story, or could this have been more of a central part of the whole story? And I found so much that indicated to me that they had been in counterfeiting long before they ever brought out the Book of Mormon. The, wow. uh, Joseph Smith Sr. was arrested twice in Vermont for being, in, you know, for passing counterfeit money, and he he escaped the penalty uh, by by telling on his other counterfeiters. Oh, wow. But <clears throat> there it is in the Sup Vermont Supreme Court records, mm -hmm. and uh, so then I, I I found out that he probably was associated with this character named Ransford Rogers, who was also doing some very questionable things uh, to do with money digging. And and I found in my research that money digging and counterfeiting were very highly related. They were uh, the same people that were doing the money digging were often doing the counterfeiting. It's a deception. Just, it's the same kind of a deception. That, yes, that and they, they used it as a, as a cover. You know, they, they would get people to invest in their money digging scheme, yeah. and meanwhile they're counterfeiting, passing counterfeits on the on the side, and and di uh, you know the, the the name disorderly person and imposter was also very frequently associated with people that were passing counterfeits. Wow! wow. So been some time it's the then. first book that so. deals with it. Refiner's Fire by John L. Brooke also gave me a lot of leads about it, and mm -hmm. that sparked my uh, my curiosity. So I said. I'm going to look into this, and it just ended up being... Uh, did a lot of digging, a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, that, a 10-year project. That, yeah, that's so, a, and a lot of traveling back and forth. How has your work been received by others? Have you? Well, I've worked with yet? other historians all along, uh, Sandra Tanner and Marco Marquardt and Grant Palmer and Will Bagley. They've been invaluable in helping me to, uh, you know, know where to go to find things and and giving me advice and encouragement. So I haven't done it alone. I've, you know, worked with other historians mm -hmm. and the the jury's still out. I mean, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I've been told that it's a riveting story by those that have read uh -huh. it, some of them, uh -huh. some of my friends. And yeah. 
Um, so it's going to take a few weeks then before some but real good just, feedback begins because it's it's really, just really barely good. out. Just it, it is really a very out, good. So. You you very it's fast paced and you, it's very good. You got a lot of information in there. All the footnotes, you know, all the footnotes uh, that anybody could need. For, yeah, I put them right at this. the bottom uh -huh. of the page so you can tell every source that I got yeah. from. The information. Uh, you you write on page yeah. fourteen that Joseph Smith had clerks. He employed clerks that supposedly recorded his activities, um, and he explained why. On page fourteen, I quote: uh, He said, "Therefore, my enemies cannot charge me with any day, time, or place, but what I have written testimony to prove my actions, and my enemies cannot prove anything against me." Well, lots have been proven against him. For one thing, 34 <laughs> wives has been, even though he denied it. But this implies right. that he would always have had substantial alibis if he needed them. So perhaps it was for pre-planned schemes like polygamy and so on. Did he instruct his, his clerks and others to omit uh, certain activities from official history? Well, he must have because the not, you know, very important big parts of the story were left out. They did not record that they, uh, that they started an illegal, illegal bank in Ohio. But, they, that, but history other places has, has it recorded. Right, but the, it was in newspapers and it was in letters and it was, and then we have the bank uh, papers that they drew up. We have, all, we have all kinds of records about it, but it was not in the official history. Right. And he did not record the activities of the Danites, did not ever say that they had started that secret group. Uh, they didn't, you know, very little was put in the official history about polygamy. In fact, it was mm -hmm. only hinted at or, mm -hmm. you know, veiled, secretly veiled. But yet there's all kinds of records of the polygamy. It's in the temple records. Right. And so the counterfeiting was left out too, but traces of it survived. It, it was in the novice mm -hmm. account city council notes. It was in the Danite Manifesto in Missouri. So you're not just digging just, up randomly information. You have concrete evidence that there was counterfeiting involved with Joseph Smith, his cronies, and the early Mormon church. Yes, Joseph Smith himself published in the Danite Manifesto with Sidney Radin and Hiram Smith and 80 other Danites. You know, they all signed it. They published in a in a public document that his former partners, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Luke S. Johnson, witnesses to the Book of Mormon and an apostle, mm -hmm. were guilty of counterfeiting. And they laid out all these amazing wow. details. So how did he know about all the details of them being in, the tink with, in with the Tinker's Creek Blacklegs, they called mm -hmm. them, unless he was also in the network? Because they only worked in networks in those days. And you had to be part of the secret group to know the inside information of counterfeiting because it was very dangerous to, to, um, to talk to anybody about counterfeiting that wasn't in the mm -hmm. network with your secret yeah. signs. So um, he must have not, he must have instructed them to leave those out, but yet they mm -hmm. still remain. Yeah, it still remains, and that is, that is how you got your information. On page 34, I quote, mm -hmm. Counterfeiting and criminal networks pose more of a problem in early America than most people realize. So let's grab the larger picture here, mm -hmm. and then we zero in onto the Smith family's counterfeiting. Okay. Explain how the criminal culture was inherited from England and why it was so easily prospered in early America. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it was fascinating to me. Uh, 
most people don't realize that it was a problem. It, you know, you go to a new continent and set up institutions of civilization, and of course, a stable currency is a necessity. It's mm -hmm. very important for the economy. Uh, but there was the evangelical majority, and then there were these radical fringe groups on the side that often the leader posed as a preacher or some other prophet or um, respected figure. And then underneath, they were having their accomplices do shady things, counterfeiting money, passing passing it on unsuspecting vis victims, mm -hmm. picking people's pockets, stealing people's horses. And so it was, it was a capital crime in most jurisdictions, or many, mm -hmm. in England and in America. It was considered treason. And Joseph Smith was, con was uh, accused of treason, both in Missouri and in Illinois. It was only part of what he was doing oh, as treason. Doing, yeah. but, but it was a tremendous problem, and you can read all about it. In your book, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot yeah. of great information yeah. in there about all the details that someone would want to know is certainly in there. Um, you write that the counterfeiters and the counterfeit rings that the, Joseph, that the Smith family were involved in didn't work in groups of just one or two or three people, that numerous people had to be involved with it or in it, and so uh, they, they developed secret oaths that were required yeah. for their protection. So explain what these secret oaths were all about, and is that what the word secret combinations is referring to in the title of your book? Absolutely. Uh, they, it, it, you had to be in a large organization to be able to counterfeit money back then. Right now, you know, now we think of counterfeiters as one or two people printing off dollars in their secret apartments or, you know, off their computers. No. In the olden days, you had to have a CEO kind of boss that headed up the operation that was the front person that was you know, posed as a respectable person. Then you had to have clerks that were sly and uh, obtaining engraving plates that could cost hundreds of dollars. You mm -hmm. had to get somebody, if you were doing paper money, to um, get a printing press. That could cost $2,000, which is a huge amount of money mm -hmm. back then. Yeah. Then you had to have people forging the names on the banknotes. Then you had to have people distributing it, which were often peddlers, uh, and, and taking it to far parts far and wide in the, you know, it, these, these counterfeiting networks covered many states lots of times. Mm -hmm. And so you had to have the, the runner that would pass it. And then you had to have buyers that would buy the counterfeit money with good money mm -hmm. or would trade so the horse. So did they all know what e who each other were and what each other was doing? And what well, part they, did the Smiths play and then they And then they had the passers that passed it off on people. Um, but you had to have your secret signs of recognition because if you went up to the wrong person, you'd be in trouble. You could get turned into the law. Yeah. So they had their, you know, their secret signs and, and signs of recognition. Um, but you couldn't do it alone. You had to be oath-bound and you had to swear upon pain of your life not to rat on your buddies or to go to the authorities with any information because if somebody, if you, if one person was caught, of course, the authorities would put a lot of pressure on them right. to tell oh, about the whole organization, mm -hmm. just like the mafia. Yeah, so they would have to protect each other that way with those secret oaths that, that they would 
die before they would give out any information, evidently. Right, but more often than not, the person that got caught would reveal who his compatriots were because he didn't want to go to jail. Oh, uh, not sometimes not, but but it, the oath bound, you know, secret promise was all important, and 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 you were, you know, you you would be really punished by your compatriots if you broke your oath. Yeah. And then we're going so. to get into masonry a little bit later, but this oath-taking is big with the masonry and with the, even the present day, uh, what's going on inside the temples. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But you wrote um, something that Daniel Kidder said, because we're going to go now from counterfeiting money okay. to counterfeiting the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said, and I quote, The Book of Mormon is the most successful attempt ever made to counterfeit the scriptures. And yeah. then on page 100 of your book, going down a little bit further, um, you sum up the whole thing by saying that Vermont provided fertile ground for what would become the Book of Mormon. So would you explain these comments in context? Yeah, it's, it's a long story, and you can read about it, but I found that it was very important that Hiram Smith attended the uh, Moore's Academy, which was the prep school for Dartmouth College. Uh, he learned a tremendous amount at that time about the ideas that were going around uh, among the intellectuals, one of which was that the, that the Native Americans had come over from the Old World. And there was, there was a man named Solomon Spaulding mm -hmm. who wrote a book similar, had some features that were, you know, it was a, he, Solomon Spaulding made the boast that he could, he could write a burlesque of the Bible and have it be passed off as real history, wow. except, you know, everyone would believe it except for the learned historians. So, and then I found, which was shocking to me, that Joseph Smith Sr. made the very same boast, according to the Vermont militia people. Oh, my word. I mean, he, so it's almost like it was planned that somebody took him up on the challenge and, and came up with the counterfeit scriptures in the Book of Mormon. Well, with yeah. These, he, with these Native Americans being who they're not, according to the claims in the Book of Mormon. It, it, yeah, if he made that boast that, you know, that he could write a book that would be believed by everybody as history... Uh, and so, I mean, you just have to look at what he wrote. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Why would he do that? Well, time is, is running short, so let's, <laughs> let's go to the next one. <laughs> okay. Where you mentioned that Alvin and Joseph and Hiram, who were all brothers, were involved in helping people find lost or stolen goods with a seer stone. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they would find these lost or stolen goods, which were actually what they did was they stole the property from the people and then bury it and then tell them that they could find it, which was part of their, of their deceit in that. Um, then, they yeah. would, then they would use the same seer stone to translate the Bible. I mean, it's like <laughs> the Book of Mormon. The, or the Book of Mormon, excuse yeah. me. Like paying homage to deceit from the devil and words from God from the same rock. Well, the, David Whitmer, witness, witness to the Book of Mormon, said that Joseph Smith used the seer stone to translate the Book of Mormon. Now, he's the witness to the Book of Mormon, so he should know, right? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but I traced in my 
investigation that Joseph Smith used the seer stone to do these tricks on people for at least seven years before he started the Book of Mormon. And it was the same trick that Stephen Burroughs used, which he, he was a he was a big time master counterfeiter that the Smith family also were familiar with in Vermont. That had he had also gone to Dartmouth College. This Stephen Burroughs character, and I tell all about it mm -hmm. in the first mm -hmm. chapter. Um, so you connect all these people yeah. as, as big part of. But he he used the same methods of stealing something, hiding it. And then charging the people to tell them where it is uh, with the seer stone, you know, mm -hmm. acting like he has magic powers. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and Stephen Burroughs did that. William Challoner did that. He was a major counterfeiter. That's how you started out. So very quickly, we, we're, again, nice. very getting close to the end mm -hmm. of time. First of all, and then we'll, then we'll talk about where people can buy your book. Uh, should, should our viewers from Mormonism or polygamy, mm -hmm. should they be shocked at this information? Well, should, I, should would think, I would think so. I mean, Joseph Smith has been uh, revered as next to Jesus Christ in virtue. And when you really see the historical records, when, you know, great historians, for instance, Lord Acton said that the documents tell the story of history. Mm -hmm. That's what tells us, you know, what really happened. The records that yeah, people left, they're, they're. not the myths that grow larger over time. So where can they find your book? We only have a minute. Oh, Just... okay. They can find it at utlm.org, amazon.com, Benchmark Books in Salt Lake City, and Calvary Chapel Bookstore in Murray. In Murray. And we don't have that on the screen yeah. because that's just new that right. you were able to call it there. But, and our viewers can contact you by mail or email? Yeah, you can also get the PDF version oh. of it on mormoncounterfeiting.com. Uh, or you can call, you can contact me at researchingLDS.org. Research, or dot com, sorry. Researching, researchingLDS dot at gmail.com. At gmail.com, <laughs> yeah. And, and then you have the mormoncounterfeiting.com is your... My website. Your website. That you can, yeah, you can also get the PDF version there. Buy the, the print book from Sandra Tanner at her bookstore or Benchmark or Calvary Chapel. Okay. Okay, well, bookstore. thanks. We're going to continue this. Um, mm -hmm. We're out of time right now, but we're going to okay. continue this discussion. Thank you very much. Welcome. Um, and the second part is as good as or better, I think, than the first. You know, Mormonism, oh, uh, polygamy in the United Order, all of it stands or falls on the credibility of Joseph Smith. History continues to prove over and over again that Joseph Smith just wasn't credible. Besides that, we're not supposed to follow men. We're supposed to follow Jesus. Jesus wasn't just an imperfect man who made mistakes. His credibility was perfect because he never failed. And the Bible constantly reminds us that there's only one way, and that way is through Jesus Christ. When Jesus was present, God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. He did not also add, And hear ye Joseph Smith too. It's only Jesus we follow and Jesus only because he's everything you need. So see you next time for part two of our interview with Kathleen Melanakis. God bless. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. 
You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you.